Amen. I believe that it's so important to, to be thankful always for what the Lord has done. Amen. As Paul teaches us to give thanks always in all things. Amen. At all times. Amen. Why? Because the devil can't touch a grateful person. Can't ever discourage a grateful person. Amen. Well, I don't have a lot of money in the bank. That's all right. I'm thankful for life. Amen. Well, I'm, not, I'm sick this week. That's all right. I thank God that he saved my soul. Amen. You can always thank God for something. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but your wish list on Amazon gets longer and longer, doesn't it? But amen, we still need to give thanks to the Lord. Just take time and say, Lord, thank you so much for loving me, for showing grace on me and letting me come into this fold and, and, and just found me where I was, welcomed me as I were, amen, as I was, and uh, saved me. Amen. And so I don't know about you. Are you thankful this morning? Amen. So thankful for what the Lord wants to do. I want to just throw this out as some announcements were made. Obviously, our, uh, you know, of course, our Harvest Festival is coming up. I'm excited about that. Today is uh, the life chain where we, uh, I know that the announcement was made. It's a, a silent protest, but it's actually just a demonstration, just a silent demonstration of prayer and concern and love and uh, really just speaking volumes about, uh, you know, what um, we believe as Christians Amen. One of the things I just wanted to just um, encourage everybody, when we, you know, in, get involved in things like this, and, and especially the life chain, uh, I, I in no way, we are in no way, and I in no way endorsing any type of political party, any candidate, anything like, come on, I mean, it has nothing to do with that today. Amen. Well, if I show up, they're going to force me to vote for Trump. No, it has nothing to do with that. I'm just being real. I know, I'm just saying what you're thinking, amen. And so, you know, it has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with the values, amen, that we believe as Christians, amen, that we are taught. And you know something, one of the things as we're talking about generation to generation, one of the things that we've got to pass down the, the not just uh, what, you know, the way grandma made chicken, the way that uh, we did Christmas, amen, but we've got to pass down life, important life values to our children, amen. Principles, these need to be passed down. How many believe that? How many are here today because maybe your, your dad, your mom, your grandparents, somebody passed down an important principle in your life, amen. You're married today because someone taught you about commitment and loyalty, amen. And when things got hard, you're gonna stay in that marriage. Hello, anybody, amen, because somebody taught you about that. So I just wanted to encourage you today that um, value and truth needs to be passed down to generations, amen. And that's what we believe as Christians. And one of the things I've noticed as a Christian, as a believer, um, just when I came into the things of the Lord and just met Jesus and began to walk with the Lord, one of the things I discovered immediately is that I had a value and a concern for life. I started, I started, you know, thinking about people. Come on, you, you start thinking about, you know, and you understand life. You start understanding the concept of life. How many know, and when I got baptized, I understood what new life was all about. But then you come in and you, got, you understand what life's about. You understand, you begin to value life. You begin to celebrate life. Is that right? That's why in our church we celebrate marriage and family and children and, and all that. Because we celebrate life. Right? We celebrate life. As a Christian and a believer, that's, that's what's put inside of us. And also, I believe it's important that we protect life. That we protect young people and children. And, and uh, come on, that we protect each other. Amen. How many know that the Lord teaches us to protect other people? That's why you're not supposed to steal other people's stuff. <laughs> Thou shalt not lie or steal. Why? Because it hurts other people. Anybody? Hello? That's why you're not supposed to commit adultery. Because it hurts other people. 
It hurts families. It hurts children. It hurts. Come on. That's, all those things are written so it protects people, protects life. Amen. Thou shalt not murder. That's pretty good, isn't it? Why? Because we value life and we protect other people. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I just want to just share something just a little bit off the trail. We're going to get back to our generation to generation. I want to talk to you a little bit about the harvest. How many believe it's harvest time? I love this time of the year. Love this time of the year. It's so great. I mean, I don't know about you, but you just roll your windows down. You just take a breath of fresh air in. And if you're in the city, wait till you get out in the country. Then take that in. All right. If you're riding by the farm, hold your breath. Then get past that manure pile. and take. But anyways, right? It's just that, that time and season. But I wanted to read something um, and then we'll pray. In Luke chapter 1, in, um, in verse 15, we pick up the story of the beginning of really of the um, story of how Jesus came and the Messiah was revealed. But there was a, a priest by the name of Zechariah. He was in the temple praying as he normally did. And uh, this was John the Baptist's dad. And, and he had an encounter with an angel. And he said, look, you're going to have a son. His name is going to be John the Baptist. And this was a prophecy about his son that he would have. And... Um, and so in verse 15 it says, John is talking about John the Baptist. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. He shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even in his mother's womb. That's amazing. That's a powerful scripture. Amen. I'm reading from the King James Version today because I don't want anybody to say, well, you're just kind of making stuff up. Amen. Right. He was filled with the Holy Ghost in his mother's womb. So his mother was Elizabeth, right? She had a cousin named Mary. We all know about Mary. Mary was a young woman. The angel of the Lord came six months later said, this thing, you know, you're going to be, uh, you know, uh, bear the Son of God. You're going to give birth to the Messiah. He's going to be Jesus, right? You're going to call his name Jesus. He's going to save his people from their sin. And so Mary's all excited. Who she got to tell? Typical women, right? They got to go and run and tell their sister or whatever, and best friend, their cousin, right? So she goes to Elizabeth's house and she's like, I got to talk to my cousin Elizabeth. This is so exciting. We're both pregnant at the same time. What happened to me was unbelievable, right? So she goes in in verse 40, the Bible says of chapter 1, in verse 41, it says, And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation or greeting of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. That's awesome. And then she was like, wow, i got to bless Mary. And she begins to bless her. And in verse 44, she says this, Listen, for lo, as soon as your voice was heard, sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Think about it. Here's what's amazing about this. John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Ghost in his mother's womb. That, that just blows me away. The second thing is, is that when John the Baptist was in his mother's womb, he was an unborn child. He was the first to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. Isn't that amazing? He's the first one that bore witness. Because when Mary walked in, she was carrying the promise of God. He heard her voice. Says, Woo, the Messiah just walked right in. Amen. Where was the Messiah? It was in Mary's womb. And so I don't know how it happened, but those two just connected. Why? Because we believe it. there was life in Mary's womb. There was life in Elizabeth's womb. Amen. Now think about this. Amen. John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Ghost, and then he recognized Jesus as the Messiah as an unborn child. Think about it. And if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, that means you've got to be a person. You've got to have a body. 
You've got to have a soul. You've got to have a spirit. So John the Baptist wasn't just part of Mary uh, Elizabeth's body, another uh, uh, female body part, an organ of her body. It was a separate person in there. Anybody, 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 come on. Amen. And this little person, unborn child, was filled with the Holy Ghost. And if God can fill an, uh, an unborn child with the Holy Ghost, amen, and again, and give him purpose before he's even born and knows his name before he's even born, how much more should we value the life of a child that's unborn, amen? How much more should we say God knows that they're a child, amen? And we value life. So I'm not, I don't just stand for life because I'm on this political side. It's because I understand, the, understand who gives life and where life comes from and one, when life begins. Come on, somebody, amen. If they were one part, if they were one body part, the moment that John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Ghost, then Elizabeth would have been filled with the Holy Ghost. But the Bible says that it happens two separate occasions to two separate people. Anybody? So that's why we stand today, and I don't stand on the street corner amen, and just hold a sign and just be there because look what I can do and look what, what political party I stand with or whatever you want to think. No, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I'm going to let anybody else do whatever they want and say whatever they want to say, but because we believe in life and we believe we know where life comes from, when it begins, we're standing for those that cannot speak for themselves. And it's amazing how many people, let me just say this, it's amazing how many people can stand for the rights of children that are being killed in the street and not stand for the rights of children that are being killed in the womb. I mean, you march and you protest and you go to the, you know, the, you know, do this and do that and come against gun violence because of all that's happening and you'll march and you'll stand for kids getting killed in the street, but you're not going to stand for kids getting killed in the womb. How I many you know that's hypocrisy? We've got to have this one message that's coming out of our life that we stand for life. We believe in life and we believe. And so I want you to think about that scripture different when you read about John the Baptist. Amen? How I many you know six months? This, this guy, he's like six months, he's in the womb and he's getting filled with the Holy Ghost. That's pretty good, isn't it? Amen? Amen. Well, let's, let's get on to our... Our, our other topic today. Amen. Gener uh, just talking about generation to generation. I want to just read a scripture out of Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. And, um, you know, I, I do believe that this world is just <laughs> going crazy. I believe that there's a lot of crazy things happening and a lot of crazy things are going on. But, you know, if you just stay in the word, if you just, come on, if you just stay in the word, you're going to stay steady and stay stable you're not going to have the amount of anxiety you will if you're watching the news and believe in every conspiracy theory and listen to every YouTuber. Come on, amen. I don't know about you, but I like what uh, uh, an old friend of ours, TF10, he said. He said, when, when life rages, stick to the pages. <laughs> amen. <laughs> and so I believe that today. Amen. Amen. Let's just read scripture and then we'll pray. Let's just, Matthew chapter 9, Matthew chapter 9, let's do that. Matthew chapter 9, I love this account. Jesus is preaching and witnessing and healing people. And he says something very profound. I want to get into this today. And he says this in verse 35, Matthew 9, 35. Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Let me read this out of the NIV. In preaching the gospel of the kingdom everywhere. 
proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Verse 36, and when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion on people. His heart went out to them. In verse 37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. It's plentiful. It's huge. But the workers are few. In verse 38, ask the Lord of the harvest, pray to the Lord of the harvest, therefore to send out workers into the harvest field. In John chapter 4, verse 35, right, this just two verses, I want to make some observations about this, um, these verses and bring out a couple points today. In John chapter 4, verse 35, Jesus was ministering to the woman at the well, which we know, Samaritan woman at the well. And in short, we can paraphrase it and say that, I mean, he was like blowing her mind away. He's moving in the word of knowledge, telling her, you know, you know, things about her life that she never said and revealing things to her and really kind of convicted her heart. You know, we could say that she gets saved. She goes back to the village, tells everybody about it, right? She witnesses, becomes an awesome evangelist. Half the city comes out, or most of the city, we don't know, but the Bible says all the city or the men of the city came out and wanted to talk about what's this, this, uh, this girl talking about. And when, when Jesus, as they were approaching Jesus and the disciples, Jesus said this in verse 35. He said, don't you have a saying, it's still four months until the harvest? This was in the spring. He was talking about the fall. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. They're ready. They're right now for harvest. In verse 36, even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Amen. I want to talk to you today and just ask you the question, what does the harvest mean to you? Father, we just thank you today for your word. Your word is alive. It's, it's like medicine, the Bible says. And every time I read it, my heart leaps, my heart comes alive. There's joy in my life. I don't care what I'm going through, Lord. Every time I read your word, it brings hope. So I'm asking today that as we go through your word and we talk about your principles of your word, we, we challenge each, uh, one another in these things, I pray that life and joy would be ours today, Lord, that we could be changed on the inside. And Lord, we know you're doing something amazing in our life. I just want to tap into it. I want to get connect with you today. And Lord, get a hold and agree with what you're doing in our lives today. We thank, thank you for all the things you're doing at River Valley Church and in the city of Williamsport. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. We've been talking about generation to generation. And it's not just about, it is, and we did focus upon, we will focus on that. It's not about just uh, passing something down to your children, even though the, it is about that. It's not teaching other people the ways of God, even though it's about that. It's not just that. Did you know that when the Bible talks about from generation to generation, the covenant that God has, he's talking about his great plan of salvation. He's talking about people coming to him through salvation in Jesus. How many believe that? I mean, how many believe in this great plan of salvation that God has? I mean, it's, it's, it blows my mind how awesome this plan of salvation is. He loves everyone on the planet. He wants to save everyone on the planet. He wants everyone on the planet to go to heaven. <laughs> Amen? And to know him intimately. Isn't that an awesome plan? That's huge, isn't it? Our plan is like, wake up, have coffee, get a job. I mean, that, you know, that, that's our plans, right? You know, right? Get, you know, buy some cool sneakers. That's our plan, right? But God's plan is so much bigger than this because it involves people. It involves people. The harvest is about 
people, isn't it? Amen. And it's not just about a program. or it's, it's about people. And so it's so important to understand that from generation to generation, it talks about the gospel going forth in each generation, people hearing the good news, people getting saved, people becoming disciples so that they can go in turn and tell other people about Jesus so that they can be saved. Amen? That's what it's about, isn't it? And so as we read these scriptures in Matthew 9 and in Luke or in John 4, I really want to just declare before we just kind of get into this lesson today or the sermon is that it's really harvest time. I just got to just, that's how I'm feeling, you know, just lately, amen, for our city, for our community. It's just time. It's just harvest time, amen? Come on, it's just time for harvest. Anybody? It's time to see a harvest in your family, in your friends, your coworkers, amen, people you've been praying for, people you live by, people you see in the grocery store, young people, kids, children. I believe it's harvest time. I believe it's time to see a great harvest of souls coming into the kingdom of God. Anybody? Yes. Amen. Awesome. That's, that's what I believe. And one of the things, if we break it down, we tend to talk about harvest. It is evangelism. It is witnessing. It is preaching the gospel, spreading the good news of Jesus. It's all those things. But look at what the Bible makes it clear. Jesus is putting this analogy together, the harvest, or, or with farming and, and, and the way that you would harvest crops. And he puts that in with the way that we are to win souls or evangelize or to preach the gospel, isn't he, right? And what is harvest? Harvest is that in-gathering. It's that tremendous in-gathering, that season when, you know, you've, you've, you've sown the seed, you worked the soil, you sown the seed, you waited and prayed for the sunshine and rain, this crop comes up, and all of a sudden you start getting the equipment ready, you start getting everything ready, and then you, what do you do? You have to gather all of this stuff together, bring it into the barn, bring it into the storehouse, right? You, all these, uh, whatever it is, it's, it's corn or apples or wheat or soybean, whatever it is, you gather all this stuff is. That's what harvest is. How many believe that harvesting isn't just telling people about Jesus? It's not just about, you know, uh, you know, discussing God. It is seeing people come into the kingdom of God. Seeing people come into the salvation of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what the harvest is. This tremendous ingathering. This drawing. This inviting. Amen. Of the kingdom of God. It speaks of evangelism, of course. But I don't know about you, but I want to see a tremendous harvest in this whole valley. Amen. People coming to Jesus. Amen. It doesn't matter what church they go to. I believe my heart is just let them just come to Jesus. Amen. We just want people to come to Jesus, get baptized, become disciples, and go out and get more people. Amen. And so harvest, you know, someone said this, the healthiest church is a church that people are coming to Christ. That's a healthy church, isn't it? A happy church or the happiest church would be a church whose people are involved in the harvest. And I don't know about you, but and I can speak for our leadership team that we want our church to be the healthiest and happiest ever. That's our goal. Amen. Just to get everybody healthy and happy. Amen. In Jesus, right? Amen. Really, that is. So what do we have to do? We got to get involved in people coming to the Lord. How many know there's joy in the harvest? There's joy in the harvest, amen. I mean, there's joy. And if you know me, you understand, I get excited about eating an apple. I mean, sometimes, I, I, I don't know, just something about an apple crisp in September is just like, oh my goodness. It's as good as a whoopie pie in June. It's just so good, right? Man, recently at the uh, outreach center over across the street from the outreach center, one of our properties, whatever, um, last year, oh, there's a grapevine there, right? So the, the former tenant had this grapevine and, and uh, he kind of let it go. And so I said, well, l l last year I said, I'm going to learn how to prune a grape 
grapevine. And so I got on YouTube, watched a bunch of videos, did my best, chop, 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 snip, snip, snip. And I cut it down to like this, right? I was just like, and I walked away. I was like, good luck. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. And, and uh, this year, there were so many grapes on that vine that actually the, the kind of the trellis that it was holding broke. And we had to like prop it up again. And there were so many that were on the ground and near the ground. I mean, there's just loads and loads. So far, we've gotten uh, two five-gallon buckets full of grapes, right? So I gave uh, some to uh, my mother-in-law. She made an amazing grape pie. How many of you have a grape pie? You got to do it, got to do it, got to do it. And there's just something about that. My wife knows if it's apples or whatever, and I prune it and take care of it over the year. I get so excited about that. I get so excited about you know, I don't know, just bring these apples home. We just got to let them rot on the back porch. I don't care, but I, I, you know, I pruned these or we planted them, we pruned them, we picked them and it was awesome, right? There's joy in the harvest. There's joy and there's joy in the Father's heart, in the Lord's heart when he sees people come to him. I mean, the Bible says that over one sinner, remember the story of the 99, the, the, the one sheep that went astray and left the 99, and the Bible says that shepherd went after it. He said when that shepherd finds that one sheep, there's more rejoicing over that one. He calls everybody together. They throw a huge party, and the Bible says that all the angels are rejoicing in heaven over one soul. Amen? Isn't that awesome? How many you know today heaven is rejoicing amen amen because you got saved amen and your family is glad amen no just kidding amen but and one of the things that we talk about evangelism Jesus said in the story of John 4 he said lift up your eyes look at the harvest of course he wasn't talking about you know wheat fields and soybean fields he was talking about people and how many know so many times when it comes to evangelism it takes a change of perspective We've got to look at things different. So many times, that's why he said lift up your vision. Lift, lift, lift up your head. Look at, look at the fields. Because so many times we're just, this is our vision right here. What's in front of us? Our family, our job, our this, our that. And maybe our goals and maybe that. But he said, look, and every time we come to uh, witnessing or serving or loving other people, how I many know sometimes it, it just takes lifting up your eyes. Look at their need. Come on. Look at their situation. Listen to their story. How many know that's important, isn't it? Amen? But there's two things that I want to just point out about this, these two particular um, scriptures here. Number one, especially in Matthew, he says this, Matthew chapter 9, he makes this statement. He said, pray to the Lord of the harvest. Two observations I just want to point out real quick. Number one, Jesus said he was Lord of the harvest. Have you ever thought about that? What does it mean to be Lord of the harvest? Well, he's boss. Well, yeah, that's what it means. In other words... Pray to the Lord of the harvest, go to, out and, and get the harvest and bring it in because I'm the Lord of the harvest. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. Jesus is Lord of the harvest. So we do the sowing, we do the work, and he gets the credit. Why? Because the harvest doesn't belong to us. People don't belong to us, they belong to him. Come on, somebody. They're all his. Amen. He's the creator God. And we've got to see people like that. Wow. You've been made in his image. You're made by God. You're his creation. Amen. If it was up to me, I wouldn't talk to anybody about Jesus. I would just want to go to heaven myself. Right? But there's a different perspective I need to take. God is Lord over all people. Amen. He's the creator over all people. They belong to him. And it's his harvest, and so I've got to do the work, and so I'm his, I'm his worker, and, and people are his creation, and I'm his laborer, I'm his worker, I'm his servant, amen. And I'm just doing what he tells me to do. He's Lord of the harvest. I mean, no, I do the work, he gets the credit. 
People don't get saved in my name. People don't get baptized in the name of River Valley. They come to him. He's the Lord of the harvest. He's their God. I'm just pointing people to him. Amen. I'm just doing his work. So he's Lord of the harvest. Amen. So pray to the Lord of the harvest. And second observation is that we are laborers in this harvest. He calls us workers. He says that... He says, look to the fields, go reap the harvest. You're the workers, you're the laborers. Amen. He's the Lord of the harvest. We're the laborers for the harvest. Amen. Matthew chapter 9, verse 38. This is what he said, pray for workers. Pray for workers. Now notice what his concern is. His focus was not on the lost people coming to him. His emphasis and his concern was believers going to the lost people. How many know that's the problem, isn't it? Problem isn't with sinners, it's with saints. We're comfortable, we like our religion, we like our time on Sundays, we're comfortable, we're good, I'm okay, I don't need to talk to anybody. That's not what the Bible teaches us, amen. Listen, you gotta get up and you're a laborer, you're a worker, amen, you're a laborer in the field. And so Jesus is saying here, I'm my concern, my big concern about this whole thing is the workers. That's just the problem, isn't it? I mean, no, every church event, everything we do, every ministry, every program, everything any church does, any nonprofit organization does, what is the biggest limit what we have? Workers, volunteers. Is that right? It's the same thing in the kingdom. There's a shortage of workers. There's a shortage of volunteers, really. Yeah, and it's funny, but we're all called to be workers, yet very few answer the call, amen, to be workers, How many know if God called you to something, he's going to anoint you to do it? He's going to enable you to do it. Amen. Yeah, I mean, it's great. We're going to provide training for you. But ultimately, if God called you to be and he said you're a worker and you're going to a harvest field, he's going to equip you to do that. Amen. Amen? Why? Because it's his harvest field. They belong to him. He's the Lord of the harvest. I'm just a laborer. I'm just going to do what he tells me to do. But there's a great need, isn't there? There's a great need. I want to show you something real quick. Here's what God's intention is. God's intention is to balance out the ratio of the harvest and the workers. So this is what he said. The harvest is great. Labors, few. It's great. I mean, there, think about this. The harvest. The harvest. I mean, if you would think about, okay, if you were like a, uh, you know, maybe had a bunch of apple trees and, and you had this orchard, right? And you were like, look out, and you planted 10,000 apple trees, which I think in Vermont, this one farm has like 25,000 apple trees, right? Amazing, right? But if you did that, let's just say you planted 10, right? I mean, out of 10 apple trees, you can get bushels and bushels of apples. You can get a lot of apples, right? And if you had a business and you were going to make apple pies and that was going to be your business and you planted all these trees and they all came to, uh, you know, uh, harvested at the same time and they all kind of came out at the same time, it would be a lot of work and you would need other help. I mean, if you had a farm of 25,000 apple trees, I'm going to know you can't do it yourself. It's overwhelming, isn't it? Let's say you had two people working a farm. You could say the harvest is great. Workers, few. What do we got to do? We got to balance it out. We got to have more workers so that we can handle the harvest. Is that right? So, the whole thing about praying and about this whole scripture is God's idea of I've got a lot of people out there that don't know me, and I've got very few people that know me that will go. And I need to balance this ratio out. I need, a lot, I need almost every, everyone that knows me to go. Because eminent of the ratio needs to be one on one. 
Amen? One person for one person. I mean, I believe that's heaven's ratio. We need to come up with that. Like, so, so that need is, that's God, God's idea. Is like, look, the work is outstanding. It's crazy. It's busy. Like, you will, you will spend your whole life in the mission of Jesus. There will never be a day that you can't, can say, God doesn't have any work for me to do. Why? Because there's people out there. There's people that don't know the Lord. And as long as there's people that don't know the Lord, there's always work to do. Come on. I mean, no, the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. Now, you may shake your head and say, well, we, got, we don't have that many homeless people. We don't have that many. You know, we don't have the problems that other bigger cities have. I mean, no, it doesn't, that doesn't have anything to do with lost people. <laughs> people are lost. And they can be up on the mountain in the biggest mansion, lost. They can be down living by the river, lost. It doesn't matter. Come on, somebody. It doesn't matter. It's lost people. There are people who need Jesus. And the work will not end. Can you say amen? Amen. And there's different types of workers, isn't there? There's different types of workers. There's different tasks that we have. There's different titles that the workers have. But there's one thing that all of us got to do. We got to work. All of us have to work. Every one of us are called to work. No, I'm called to be a worshiper. No, you're called to work. Amen? Then all of us are called to worship. Then we're all called to worship, brother. Thank you, thank you for bringing that to our attention. How wonderful you are and at warming a pew. You are so talented at that, but we're all called to work. Amen? We're all called to work. And one of the things about, I got to hurry along here, that, that, that God... Uh, Jesus, as he teaches, that God has in mind is God wants us to be trusted with the harvest. Just like if you had that big farm, that apple, big orchard, and you had an apple pie making business. I mean, I mean, you would want to hire people that you can trust, that they're going to do the work on time. They're going to show up. They're going to do the work. They're, come on. And God, all through the Bible, the, the God gives us something. He gives us a call. He gives us gifts. He gives us these things, these blessings. How many know God blesses you with money because he wants to trust you with money? You say, well, how come God's not making me a gazillionaire? Because he can't trust you with a gazillion dollars. He knows you're going to buy the stupidest things. Right? Come on. Right? But then there's other people that, man, they have a lot of money, and God can trust them with money. And, they, I mean, they're generous. They're giving to the poor. They're doing this. They're doing that. Amen. They're not laying treasure up for themselves, as the Bible says. And they can be trusted with money. Amen. I learned a long time ago, my wife and I would have yard sales at our house, and um, I was not allowed to touch the money, because I couldn't be trusted, because at the yard sale, because I would just give things away, and she would be over there looking at me like, this is a yard sale, we're trying to make money, I'm like, yeah, but you know, they needed it or wanted it, right, and at the youth yard sale, like, I was not allowed to carry an apron full of money, like, don't touch money, don't even talk to people about prices, you just give people hot dogs and make people feel welcome, that's all you're supposed to do, they knew I couldn't be trusted at a yard sale, because I'd give everything away, right, amen, but how many know God wants to trust us with people, he loves people. His heart is after people. He wants you to trust with other people. That's why it's so important that we, amen, answer this call. And the challenge for us as Christians, as we move along, the challenge for us as Christians would be making excuses. Making excuses why we couldn't work in the harvest field. Wasting time. You know, being lazy. The Bible says that uh, it's, it's uh, you know, a foolish son sleeps through time of harvest. Sleeps through his moment of opportunity. Waste time. How many know the Bible talks about wasting time? And it's not good. And then a challenge for us as Christians is that we can, we can fail to sow seed. 
we could fail to reap the harvest. You could have that 20,000, you know, orchard, tree orchard, you know, farm. You could have all those trees, but if you don't lift a finger to pick one of those apples off those trees, you're never going to have a harvest, and you're not going to have a good business. Come on. And you're going to allow all those apples to what? Rot and go to waste. Amen? And how many know we don't have time to waste? Amen? Because people are precious to the Lord. People are dying every day. Amen? And they're dying without Jesus, without hope. There's people, young people are ending their life way, they should never take their life. A young person should never, anybody, nobody should take their life. But how many know it's so sad when a teenager doesn't feel at 12 years old, feel that life is worth living? I mean, there's just, there, there's not just one person like that in Williamsport. There's dozens and dozens and dozens of people like that in Williamsport. The harvest is ready. It's ripe. It's all around you. If you're sitting in your comfortable seat, you'll never have that chance. Or you'll never be a faithful harvester, a worker. You can't call yourself a worker in the kingdom if you sit on your couch and do nothing. You won't have a good apple pie making business if you don't pick any apples. We've got to reap the harvest. Can, can somebody say amen? amen? Two things quickly I want to bring out about this, sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. Very basic, right? Uh, no, I'm not going to talk about giving money to the church. Sowing and reaping. John chapter 4, verse 35. Jesus said the harvest is ready. Remember when he was, witness, he was witnessing and talking to the, the woman about the Lord and, and, and about himself and witnessing and, and, you know, and she gets saved? Well, he said this to the disciples. He said, look up, the harvest is ready. How did the harvest get ready? Who did the sowing? If the harvest of people at that time in John chapter 4 were ready, who did the sowing? Jesus. Jesus did the sowing. How did he sow the seed? Through preaching the gospel. Amen. In John chapter 4, he said the harvest is ready. Well, how did they know the harvest is ready? Because he already sowed the seed. And what was the seed? The seed was preaching the gospel. How many know the seed is the word of God, right? Matthew 13 says the seed is the word. Amen. But the greatest hindrance to the harvest is the failure to sow seed. The, the greatest hindrance is the failure to sow seed. Amen? Amen? I believe that we reap in proportion to what we sow. The Bible says if you, if you sow a little seed, you'll get a little harvest. If you sow a lot of seeds, you'll get a big harvest. Is that right? Is that what the Bible teaches us? Generously. I mean, if you're generous with the word of God, if you're generous with the goodness of God, if you're generous with the good works, amen, that God's called you to do, amen, there's a good possibility you're going to get a big harvest. But if you just like every 10 years talk to one person about Jesus, you may not see a lot of people come into the kingdom, (laughs) amen? And so it's in proportion to what we sow. But here's what's important about the seed before I move on. The seed is precious. The seed is amazing and it's precious in itself. Amen. And no seed can be wasted. Amen. And every farmer knows that you just don't dump seed out here and dump it over there. I mean, you've got to take care of that and you've got to keep it dry. and you, It's precious, right? But how many know this principle? We've preached about this before and everybody kind of heard this today. The harvest is in the seed. The bark of the tree, that's in the seed. The nectar in that apple, that's in the seed. The skin of that, the flowers, the blossoms, all of the harvest is in the seed. And if you don't sow the seed, you'll never have a harvest. And the seed is time sensitive. It needs to, you know, you can store a seed for a long, long time. But how many know once you sow that seed, it's on a, it's on a calendar now. Now it's time sensitive. 
Amen? It's going it's to grow. And it's on that time. It's on that time. And then there's the harvest. And so there's that, there's that time that we say, amen, and, and we're going to reap that seed because it's time sensitive. So here's what we see in the Bible. Sowing is this. Sowing is the word of God, right? It's our actions. Here's what I want to focus on just for a few minutes. Sowing is prayer. When it comes to the harvest, sowing is prayer. Yes, sowing is the word. Matthew 13, there's no way to get around it, amen? How many know you can pray, 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 pray for somebody, but if you don't talk to them physically about Jesus, they may not get saved. Anybody? Romans chapter 10. So it's, it, these are all the things we could preach about and everything. I just want to focus on prayer for a second. In Psalms chapter 126 in, in verse 5, 126 verse 5, Right, So this is a, uh, an account, I don't have time to get into it, has an uh, account when they're coming out of captivity and uh, uh, Jerusalem and their land and everything had been desolate for 70 years. Nobody touched it. It was all grown over. The fields were, it was just looked crazy. And so they were coming back to, their, to the land. They had to work the soil again, build their barns again. They had to really start over again. And the Bible says in Psalms 126 verse 5, it says, those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Amen? Verse 6, those who go out weeping, carrying precious seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying their bundles of sheaves with them, carrying their harvest back. Amen? The Bible says and records here that there was great sorrow when they came back and saw their farmland, saw all their property and it had grown up. They were weeping. But the Bible said that, listen, in your weeping, that's where the sowing happens. And when you sow in tears, you will reap in joy. Amen. This also works in our life. Amen. There's times that we say, I want a blessing. I want a breakthrough. I need this. I need this. But you know, there's also times in order to see that harvest, there needs to be a season of weeping. There's, we see this all the time. And there's a sorrow. There's this time of sorrow. There's this time. I want to I be happy. I thought that I was marrying the right person. I, I thought that we were going to be together forever and it didn't work out. Amen? And there's that season of weeping that we go through. Or maybe there's a death in the family or someone close to you. Or there's a sickness and there's that weeping. But how many know the Bible says that weeping may endure for a night? Amen? But joy comes in the morning. Amen? Hallelujah. Joy comes in the morning. And so there's, there's, there's weeping always is a picture of prayer. Remember we read a couple weeks ago. And I need to hurry in Joel chapter 2, amen, when it says about, amen, the, blow the trumpet in Zion. You remember that? Blow the trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm. And then later on it says that God was going to pour his spirit out on all flesh and this was going to be the promise. But you know it also is in Joel chapter 2. It talks about this great, amen, weeping. It talks about, amen, let the priest weep between the porch and the altar. Amen. It talks about this time of repentance and weeping and, and, and clothing yourself in ashes. And, but how many know the Bible says that because they did that, amen, he said, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Great joy was coming. Amen. And there's a principle here in harvest. There's weeping and there's joy. These are always associated with the harvest. I don't know about you, but I kind of look out and I, I see young people. I see people in our city. I, I drive around town and, you know, sometimes I'm just like, oh, man, that guy's just, just crazy. <laughs> but, but then there's other times where I just get so, my heart just goes out to people. Just breaks for families and young people and, and just the situation they're in, the circumstances that they find themselves in. And how many know there's that great weeping over people that needs to happen? Anybody? Come on, there's a weeping that needs to happen for this generation. 
Listen, there needs to be someone standing in the gap for the children that they can't choose. Their parents are losing their mind, making all kinds of crazy choices for them. Amen. We need to stand in the gap for our children. Amen. There's teenagers that are lost and broken. They've come from, from generations of dysfunction and brokenness. That cycle in their life needs to be broken. Amen. That they can see healing, success, and life, and a new day. Amen. In their life. Amen. But that's going to happen because somebody on the inside is praying for those on the outside. Somebody's standing in the gap. Somebody's making up the hedge. Amen. Somebody is standing in the place. Amen. Before God for them because they can't stand for themselves. Amen. Prayer. Amen, is weeping. But how many know joy comes in the morning? So, sowing and reaping, weeping and joy, prayer and serving. This is all part of the harvest. Amen. Some of you have been weeping and over your family members, and maybe not physically, but in your heart, you've just felt that burden for them because they're just resisting and they just resisting and they're out there doing their thing and running around and, 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 and playing the game and they're doing that and doing that. Amen. But how many know I want to encourage you don't give up in prayer? Don't give up in prayer. Sow in prayer. Because the Bible says you will reap if you faint not. If you don't get tired of doing what's right. If you don't get tired of being on your knees. Amen. The Bible makes a clear promise to us, Lord, that we will reap a harvest if we keep sowing. Amen. Sowing in prayer. Understand that having a list. I, I love a list. And I pray for my neighbors. And I pray for them. And, and I, they're not saved yet. Amen. But I'm just praying all the time for them. Lord, give me an opportunity to talk about you. Give me an opportunity to show your love and serve them. Lord, help me. Amen. Be the light in their dark world. Amen. Jesus had compassion on people and saw their condition. I love that about Jesus. And the Bible says when he did that, healing and miracles, power flowed from him. Can you say amen? Amen. Prayer leads you to your knees so you can stand on your feet. So you can walk in your calling. Amen. Prayer leads you to your knees so you can walk in your calling. Did you know that? Amen. And I believe that if your prayers for people don't move into action, there, there's a hindrance that you need to deal with. Your prayers for people need to move you to a place of action. Come on somebody. Amen. Just don't, you know what that is? That's like that guy that was on that road and, and, and the Samaritan was on that road, or not Samaritan, the guy was on the road and he was beaten and, and people robbed him and he was just laying there. And there was two or three religious people that walked by him. I mean, that's kind of what it's like. We're just, we're just that religious person that we just keep walking by. If you keep praying for some, praying for, I'm praying for the salvation, praying for their soul. I'm praying for our city. I'm praying for our neighborhood. I'm praying for a drug dealer. I'm, I'm praying for all these things. But if your prayers don't move you to action, there's a hindrance in your heart. It's fear. It's intimidation. It's pride, whatever it is. But we need to say, Lord, let my prayers move me to action. Amen? Because the Bible says, pray to the Lord of the harvest. Now, I know a lot of Christians are like, hey, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with staying in church and praying for the world so I don't have to go out there and get my hands dirty. I'm okay with that. No, no, no. What he's saying is, as you're working, pray for more workers. As you're going, keep praying for more laborers. Amen, that's what he's saying, right? Amen, we gotta hurry here. And I just wanna get through this today. Amen, and make this clear. that There has to be a strong emphasis on prayer. Why does there have to be a strong emphasis on prayer when it comes to the harvest? Because it conditions the laborers. Prayer conditions you as a worker. Amen? How many know meeting people's needs gets weary? Trying to do this and trying to do that and trying to help people. and try, That just gets weary, doesn't it? 
And it's conditioning for the labors that we can work, amen, long hours in the Lord. Amen. How many know when, when it's harvest time and you're out there, amen, harvest has to get in. You can't just take, okay, I'm going to take a coffee break now. Amen. How many know coffee's got to wait? <laughs> I mean, some things in life got to wait because I, I've just got to, right? We got, we got to do God's work. And so, so because there's this, this strong emphasis on prayer, it conditions the labors. That's why the Bible says, pray the Lord of the harvest. Amen. We don't pray for the lost. We pray for the workers because it conditions, amen, the labors. Prayer conditions you as a worker. Amen. Amen. And remember, amen, that they tarried in prayer before the Holy Ghost came. Tarry in Jerusalem. Wait in Jerusalem. Pray. Pray for days. Amen. And then the Holy Ghost came. He's going to empower you to do the harvest. Amen. So there was prayer before there was reaping. Amen. And so the fourth thing is, is reaping. We talked about sowing and reaping. John 4, 35. Uh, it says, don't you have a saying? It says, it's still four months and then the harvest. He said, open your eyes. Look at the harvest. They're ripe. They're ready. They're now. The harvest is ready. It's always. It's all around us, Jesus said. God is always working on people. God is always working with people. Come on, somebody. How many believe that? Amen. How many know that people, nobody, nobody, nobody comes to the Father except the Spirit draw him? I mean, you can bring people to church, and that's amazing. People can come to church, but nobody comes to the Father in salvation. Come on, and get salvation through Jesus, except the Spirit of the Lord draw him. Amen? Right? How many know God's drawing people all the time? He's dealing with people all the time. How many are, lift your hand to heaven, part of your testimony is, is I couldn't get away from God. I couldn't get away from him. I mean, whether you were at the bar, whether you were this, you were running with your friends, you went to another state, you couldn't get away from God. He was constantly loving you and blessing you and, and talking to you and calling your name. And you're like, I couldn't get away from him. He's constantly drawing people. So what he does is he draws people. Remember, harvest is in gathering. He's constantly drawing people. You've got to be there at the right time in the right place to reap that harvest. So that's why it's important. Lord, lead me today. Lead me today. Somebody who's ready, who's ready to hear the gospel, who's ready at that point. They're at that moment in their life. They can hear the gospel. Come on, somebody. Amen. So it's always happening around us. God is always, always working. That's why you cannot judge people by the outward. You don't know what people are going through. You don't know people's situation. Come on. Well, they're just Look, look at them, they're rich, they got everything. Look, I mean, I wouldn't talk to them about the Lord, they got everything. No, you don't know the loneliness, you don't know the brokenness, you don't know the addiction that they're hiding behind. You don't know any of that, do you? Amen? Most of us look at a homeless person, we're like, oh, they need Jesus, they're like the lowest. No, they, they may be believers, they may be uh, successful already, they may have a, you don't know. They might like sleeping outside, you don't know. Amen? Right? And we got to move on. So we, we have to understand that those who reap will always understand the times to harvest. When you get involved in God's work, I'm telling you, you just understand. Right? You just understand. One of the things about these grapes that I'm growing is like they turn like 50 different colors. Right? It's like, oh, they're green. How many have ever had green grapes? Right? Nasty, 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 especially for Congo grapes. And then they were like this reddish color. I'm like, they might be ready. Not ready. Then they were like turn this like little like kind of purple color. I'm like, yeah, they're ready. Not ready. It's like when they're a deep, deep purple and you just pull them a little bit and they come right off and then you just throw them in your mouth and it's like sugar right in your mouth. It's so, so good. How many know there's a time? And only those who are involved, involved in the harvest know when the time is. 
Some of you are like, Where are all these, when are these cornfields going to be plowed around here? Some of these farmers, man, they need to like get busy, right? No, they know exactly. They know when that corn needs to be harvested, right? They know, right? And so those who are involved in the harvest know when it's time to, har- uh, you know, know when it's time to harvest and when time to reap. Amen. And so we need to move along. But Matthew chapter 9, verse 38 says this, Ask the Lord of the harvest. Send out workers into the harvest field. I just want to make this last point, and that is this. When he said, send out workers, pray to the Lord of the harvest. Therefore, to send out. That word there is a Greek word that many times is the same word that means driving out and casting out demons. Cast them out. Send them out. Throw them out. (laughs) That's what it means. That's how strong that language is. For us as Christians, we're like, eh, If I want to go, I'll go. No, Jesus is literally saying, get out of the house right now. (laughs) Like, get your shoes on. How many of you told your your kids, go out, get your shoes on, pick up the rake, go rake the leaves right now. You mean tomorrow? No, right now. After the show's over? No, right now. So it's like throwing people out of the house. Pray Pray to the Lord that he casts people into the harvest field. That's what it means. Throw people out there, Lord. Get them out there. Push them out there. Let them stop making excuses and get out of their comfort zone. Just push them out there. How many know when you start talking to somebody about Jesus, you feel yourself out there? You're like, there's no church, there's no choir, there's no music. Brother Michael's not in the back playing the soft music. And you're like, and the Lord told me to tell you. No, you're like in the store and people are like, what are you talking about? Right? Amen. Come on. Amen? You feel out there. Why? Because that's what the word means. It means to eject. That's what it means. So literally from your seat in church, you're to be ejected into the world, out of your seat. Amen? Get out into the harvest field. Amen? That's what it means. To cast forth, to drive out, to expel, to thrust out, to put out, to send away. It doesn't mean to, to bring forth and rise up. No, you already did that in salvation. Now he's literally giving you the boot. Get out. Listen, there is a need. And what he's saying is it's so urgent. It's so urgent. You don't have time to make excuses. There's people, there's life that's just ticking away. You don't have time to like do all this. You've you got to go right now. That's what he's saying. I mean, you know, it's, if you farmed, your grandparents, your parents have farmed and everything, there's a time where you just know it, today's the day. Like, we got to get the hay in right now. The corn has to come in right now. Not tomorrow, today. Tomorrow it's going to rain. Tomorrow, we today we don't, right? This is the day. Like, forget about the family picnic. Forget about this. Forget about that, right? We got to do it today. The harvest is right now. How many believe that? Amen. And so the command is to go. The calling is where to go. And the gifts of the Spirit are how to when we get there. <laughs> Amen. I love that about the Lord. How many believe that it's harvest time? Amen. Amen. Can we stand on our feet today? Amen. One thing I want to bring out about John chapter 4, verse 35. 36, actually. Amen. It's about, let's read this in the living. I want to just put this up here in, in the living. In John 4, 35, 36 says, Do you think the work of harvesting will not begin until the summer ends, four months from now? Look around you. Vast fields of human souls are ripening all around us and are ready now for reaping. The reapers will be paid good wages and will be gathering eternal souls into the granaries of heaven. What joys await the sower and the reaper 
together. We've been talking about generation to generation. These are two generations right here. Two different types of people. You have those that sowed and those that reap. Amen? He makes a distinction. They'll rejoice together, both. He makes a distinction, two. There's two different groups of people here. How many know from generation to generation? The young people have got to be bringing people in. The older people got to be bringing people in. We're all part of this harvest. Come on, somebody. We're all part of the mission of Jesus. Just because you're like, well, you know, I'm older. I don't know. I just don't connect with this younger generation. I don't know. Listen, there's people that are your age that you can, you can uh, identify with, you can minister to. God's going to send them your way. Amen? So this speaks of generation to generation. This speaks that it's not just one group of people in the church. It's not just, you know, when I was growing up, it was almost like the missionaries from Africa. They were the missionaries and all of us were just, you know, we're whatever. We're just one of these, right? No, all of us are called to be missionaries. All of us are called to be evangelists. All of us are called to go. All of us are called to love and serve and witness and move in the gifts of the Spirit to reveal God's love to other people. Come on, somebody. Amen. Not one of us are called to sit in our seat and just have the gifts of the Spirit in our lives to make us look good. Amen. And just make us feel good all the time and have this ticket to heaven and we're okay. No, not one person is ever called to that. All of us are called to be workers. All of us have a place, a place in this work. Amen. Aren't you glad for that? That there's a lot of work to do. The harvest is great. The laborers are few. And so today I wonder if you're there here today and you're really, you don't know Jesus Christ and you don't know him as your personal savior and your Sins have never been forgiven. You never asked the Lord to forgive your sin. You're living in sin. You're lying, you're cheating, you're stealing, you're lusting. Amen. Today you can be saved. Call on the name of the Lord, the Bible says, and you'll be saved. Repent of your sin. Turn from your wicked ways. Turn from your selfish ways, your prideful ways, and turn to the Lord. Believe that He is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that He did come 2,000 years ago to die for your sin, to take on His body. Amen. Your sickness and your disease, and He was beaten for your healing. Amen. That was Jesus because He loves you so much. He's calling you to an eternal home with Him, but an intimate relationship with Him. That's what it's all about. Because he loves you like nobody else. And when you were in your mother's womb, even though maybe you were born into a family that didn't want you. And you were born at a time when nobody wanted you. And, and you were unplanned or unwanted. God knew your name. God still wanted you. He's the one that formed you. He designed you and he called you by name. Amen. To be saved. To walk with him. Today's the day of salvation. Amen. Anybody here today say, I want to be saved. I've never been saved before. I've never repented of my sins. Today is my day to stop running. Today is my day to stop living for myself and to turn to Jesus wholeheartedly. Receive what he did at Calvary for my sin. Amen. To receive him as Lord and Savior of my life. Amen. If that's you today, amen, you could just maybe... You don't have to slip up your hand, but you say after, afterwards, say, I want somebody to pray with me. I want to be saved. I want to know Jesus. And I want to know, amen, how to know God and walk with him. And we would pray with you, right? And there's anybody here that maybe you've already, you're saved. I don't care how long you've been saved, a day or 50 years. Amen. You're a worker. You're a laborer. And so if there's any laborers here, that's what I want to pray, with, pray for today because that's what Jesus said. We need to pray for the laborers. I wonder if any laborers could raise their hand today. Whether any laborers or workers for the Lord just raise their hand. Amen. I want to pray for you today. 
I want to pray for you. I want to pray for, first of all, I want to pray for opportunity. Father, we just pray for the laborers today. I pray for the workers. I pray, even myself is in that category, we're workers with you. Amen. We're, we're just, we're, we pray, Lord, first of all, for strength. We pray that you continue to anoint us with the Holy Ghost, Lord, that was on the uh, disciples to preach the gospel, the signs following. That through your signs that, and these wonders that people will see that you love them, you know them, you called them to salvation. Lord, I pray that you would open up the door that I could walk in good works, Lord, the works of Jesus Christ of helping and serving and loving and forgiving and, and teaching people about you, Lord, and talking to people about you, and then ultimately, Lord, reaping that harvest, people that are ready to be saved. Their life is a mess. They're getting ready to end it all, or, or they're, they're just addicted. They can't get any help. They're just beyond hope of this world. I pray you would lead me by their path, Lord. The harvest is ready. I, I, just, I just say I want to go today. That's all I want to say. I'm ready. I'm, I'm willing to go, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to answer the call. I'm going to obey the Lord of the harvest. I'm going to obey your desire, your, your call, Lord, and your mission today. I'm stepping into that in a fresh way today. I pray that you would anoint the workers, strengthen the workers, doors of opportunity, Opportunity. Lord, family members that have been stubborn, I pray their hearts would melt. Lord, that their hearts, hearts would soften. Lord, those that are just the hardest, uh, worst sinners in this whole city, I pray that their hearts would melt and they would get saved, Lord, in Jesus' name. We give you all the praise and all the glory for all the things that you're doing, going to do in this city, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a cheer today? Say, God, thank you for the harvest is ready. I'm going to be a part. Amen. I'm playing my part. Amen.